We're temporary, but our souls are not. He cries out and he said, I'm coming and I'm bringing destruction. And he says that the, that the, uh, the flocks will come against her. They'll pitch their tents around her, each tending his, his own portion. And then in verse 4, he talks to the people that he's bringing in from the north. He said, prepare for battle against her. Arise, let us attack at noon. But alas, the daylight is fading and the shadows are, of evening are growing long. So arise, let us attack at night and destroy her fortresses. God sent them. Generally in that time, according to most commentators, the attacks came at noon. Not unexpected. The folks were, were the watchmen. They were walking around. They were prepared because the attack probably is going to come at noon. I don't know if it's Eastern time, Western time. I don't know. But the attack's going to come at noon somewhere. It's noon somewhere most all the time. So the attacks are going to come at noon. So he says it's getting late, but let's attack her anyway. And, and God's, uh, he's practical. So he said in, in verse 6, this is what the Lord Almighty says, cut down the trees and build siege ramps against Jerusalem. This city must be punished. It's filled with oppression. As a well pours out its water, so she pours out her wickedness. Violence and destruction resound in her. Her sickness and wounds are ever before me. God's saying, cut down trees and let's build siege ramps. We're going across the wall into the city and I'm going to punish these stiff-necked, cold-hearted, backslidden people, my people, whom I've given an opportunity just at the beginning of this chapter to leave, whom I've extended the call to come in, I say, come to me. Come to me. I'm here for you. And isn't that what Scripture is? It's a call all along to His people, to the lost. Come to me. Come to me. And we'll see in, in verse 16 more of that. I thought it was pretty... When he speaks about uh, oppression, he said it's filled with oppression. And in verse 7, as a well pours out its water, two versions use the term fountain. And if you've ever watched a fountain, it's continual flow of water continual flow now if it was a well of goodness if it was a fountain of righteousness if it was a fountain of holiness that'd be a great thing but it's a fountain of wickedness it's a constantly flowing overturning saturation of wickedness and oppression he says the city must be punished it's filled with oppression as a well pours out its water so she pours out her wickedness violence and destruction resound in her her sickness and wounds are ever before me. This makes our Father sick. It's not what we were created for. It's not His best for us. It's not His best for the church that there be bickering, that there be oppression in it. It's not His best for God, for His people that there be that vileness in it. He said, it's ever before me. Their sickness, the sin sickness is always before my eyes. Take warning, O Jerusalem. Or I will turn away from you and make your land desolate so no one can live in it. Take warning or, once again, take warning, but if, take warning or I will come back. He said, repent or I'm going to take my hand of blessing away. He could say that to the United States, could he not? Repent or I will withdraw my hand of protection. Repent. Or I'll withdraw my hand of blessing. Repent. Or I'll take the candlestick away. He cries out to him again, giving him another chance. Repent. 
He says, I'll make you desolate so no one can live in it. Verse 9, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Let them glean the remnant of Israel as thoroughly as a vine. Pass your hand over the branches again like one gathering grapes. And if you remember in the Old Testament, particularly in the, in the book of Ruth, when he was talking about those gleaning in the field, and uh, Boaz instructed his men to let this particular lady, Ruth, who he had eyes for, let her glean on the outskirts. Don't cut all the way over. Don't cut right against the fences, but come in a little bit so they can glean what's out there, so they can pick up and meet their... that Ruth can be taken care of. Don't cut all the way to the perimeter. That's how they were provided for. God provided for those who were, who were less fortunate. And that's the way He put it forth in the law in the Old Testament. So God's saying this about Jerusalem, though. He's saying, go back. This nation from the north, go back and glean to the outer edges. Don't miss one Jewish person. Punishment has to come on the whole city. Run your hands over the vine again so that you don't miss grapes. Run your hand over the vine again so that there's not one person unpunished for the oppression, for the wickedness, for the violence that's there. Run your hand over Be like those gleaning grapes. Don't leave one stone unturned. And then Jeremiah picks picks up and he said, To whom, now this is Jeremiah speaking for himself, although this is inspired, To whom can I speak and give warning? Who will listen to me? Their ears are closed. King James says their ears are uncircumcised, that they're not able to hear. He said their ears are closed so they cannot hear. The word of the Lord is offensive to them. They find no pleasure in it. Woe to me if the word of the Lord become offensive. Woe to me if the Lord offend me by asking me to be holy. Woe to me if the word of the Lord offends me when he says, Be holy as I am holy. When he says, Love your neighbor as yourself. When he says, Mark, pray for your enemies. Woe to me if that offend me. Woe to me if the word of the Lord is an offense and a stumbling block. It should be a yardstick and a guide to us. So Jeremiah says, who will listen to me? The word of the Lord is an offense to them, but they find no pleasure in it. And if you've reached the point in your Christian faith where you find no pleasure in his word, it's time for a wake up. If you reach the point in your Christian faith when scripture is so you can check something on the Sunday school roll, I won't ask for a show of hands there. Woe to me if I find no pleasure in the living, breathing love letter that God sent us. Woe to me. And Jeremiah goes on and he says, But I'm full of the wrath of the Lord and I can't hold it in any longer. I just can't stop now. I've got to keep rolling. I can't hold in the wrath of God any longer of his word. Pour it out on the children in the streets. And in the young men gathered together, both, both husband and wife will be caught in it. And the old, those weighed down with years. Their houses will be turned over to others, together with their fields and their wives, when I stretch out my hand against those who live in the land, declares the Lord. From the least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain. Prophets and priests alike, all practice deceit. 
And you see where Jeremiah was getting sickened by all this, that the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, in Sunday school we talked about that this morning, we were talking about the parable of the those that went to the vineyard at, at 6 and 9 and 12 and 3 and 5. He speaks of the Jews. He speaks of those who are his chosen people, and it just really hurts him. Because you, you see where he went to the point, it says they're greedy for gain, prophet and priest alike, all practice deceit. Those called by him for his work were deceiving people. And, and look at what he goes on to next. He said, they dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Talking spiritual matters. They don't address spiritual issues. They talk to them as if it's okay. It's okay if you sin, if you live a life of sin. It's okay. And they go on and say, peace, peace, where there is no peace. The preachers with, the, the, with milk toast theology and the ones who tickle the ears and say, it's okay to live a life of sin. It's okay to live ungodly lives. It's okay to do that. God's sickened by that. He's sickened by it. Peace, peace, they say, but there is no peace. Are they ashamed of their loathsome conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They don't even know how to blush. Their hearts have become hardened. The spirit has become hardened and calloused against the Holy Spirit speaking to them. We're going to sin as believers. We're going to sin. I'm going to sin daily. I'll speak for me only. And if I get to the point the Holy Spirit doesn't say, Son, you messed up, then I'm going to get worried. Peace, peace. But there is no peace. They're not ashamed of the loathsome conduct at all. They don't even know how to blush. So they will fall among the fallen. They will be brought down when I punish them, says the Lord. Over and over and over. He's extending a call. Come to me. Come to me and live a new life. Come to me and restore the joy of the salvation that I extend to you. Come to me. And yet, over and over and over, they've rejected. Over and over and over, the rejection has come. And here's our focal verse. This is what the Lord, the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask for the good way he is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. And we're not talking about structure. We're not talking about the way things used to be done because they weren't always right. We weren't talking about the way our parents or our grandparents did it. We're talking about the way God established it. But he said you stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. And I would have to say my ancient path came in, in 1981 when I came to Christ. And we talked in, in class this morning of, of what ages we were when we came to Christ. I was 25. Ancient path was, was, was August the 28th. Mine started when I came to Christ. And there was a freshness and a newness. And there was a joy. And there was exuberance. And there was guilt. There was guilt because I, and most of you know I was saved at my dad's funeral and I, I was rejoicing and I was crying. And I was such a mix of things. 
And, and I didn't know how, hardly how to, how to express it because the rest of my family were so broken. And I was, it was just a mixed bag. That's the ancient path for me. And, and there was such a great time of joy. And I went through other seasons that I would consider my ancient path. The ancient path of a time for about seven months where he threw his scripture in my mind and that was it. I, I didn't want to read anything else, didn't have a desire. The ancient path when, when the time spent in prayer far outstripped what it used to. Your ancient path, I don't know what it is. But he says, stand at the crossroads and look. And at some point, you had an ancient path. See, he says, ask where the good way is. Ask where it is and walk in it. And you'll find rest for your souls. Where does your ancient path start? Now, granted, we could go back to the beginning. When the new church started in the book of Acts, we can go back when when 3,000 were saved in one day. We can go back to those times, and that would be considered ancient path. And there would be nothing wrong with having total surrender to God. There would be nothing wrong with having everything in common and sharing with those who had a need. There would be nothing wrong with that, and that would be a great way to live. But this morning, he's just asking where your, where your personal ancient path was when you were closer to him than you are now. And some of you may be as close as you've ever been, and hallelujah if you are. Teach us something. But for a lot of us, we need to go back to the ancient path. We're at a crossroads, and he says, stand at the crossroads and look. And is that ancient path over here? Or is it over here? Or is it over here? Where is the ancient path for you? Where was the time when you could sense God's presence in your closet? It might be in your car, folks. I don't know where it is. But he says, find the ancient path. Ask for the ancient path. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And along with that comes that great promise and you'll find rest for your souls. Some of us are so weary this morning. Some of us are weary of trying to do it on our own. Some of us are weary of fighting structure. Some of us are weary of just fighting the battle because we're trying to shoulder it alone. And as we shoulder it alone, we get weaker and we get weaker and gravity takes over. My daughter says I'm shrinking. I don't like that, but gravity takes over. It pulls you down. Ask where the ancient path is. Stand at the crossroads, and maybe you're there this morning, and you look to the Father and say, where's the ancient path? Where is the old way? Where's the closeness I once had? Now, I talked earlier about looking at things in the past. I was reading a book yesterday by, by a man named Bob Welch, and he was talking about his wife's grandmother. They called her Graham. And the grandkids, they all flocked to the house because she influenced them for Christ. And she never knew that. She just lived close to her father. And one of the granddaughters said, going blackberry picking or making cookies with Graham was a magical time. Both simple things. Both simple things. Now, Stephen and I went blackberry picking out of the truck of his, out of the window of his truck last Sunday. 
as we drove up the mountain at Brumley Cove, there was blackberries on both sides, and we were plucking left, plucking right, and they were good, weren't they, son? They were good, good blackberries. <laughs> now, I don't know if he'll, if he'll see that as a magical time or not, but we were plucking back blackberries from an F-150. <laughs> There's times we influence people for good, and we can influence them for bad. And we may be at a crossroads today. And we need to remember those people who influenced us in godly fashion. We need to remember the influence they had on us. Not to glorify them, but to remember what they taught us. Because if you got to the point that you find no pleasure in the Word of God, you've got to cling and go to the ancient path and say, Lord, bring me to that point again. You're standing at a crossroads. Ask where the ancient path is. Ask for the old way and walk in it so that you find rest for your souls. Some of us are so weary. Some of us need rest. Some of us need to remember where He brought us from. Some of us need to come to the altar and say, this is where my ancient paths start. Some of you have never made that decision. You'll want to come to the altar and say, let this be the start of my path. Let this be the start of a new life, a life more abundant here, but praise God, a life of eternity with Him later. Lord, give me the ancient path. And I'm not one to look in the past and glorify the past at all. Because He does give us life abundant now. But He wants us to be close as we were when we said yes. We also talked in Sunday school about some people who were saved for 20 years and all they got was their name on a roll. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you've just got your name on a roll and that's all you want. He's crying out for you to have more. God constantly extends a call, come to me. Come to me and let's start a journey. Let this be where you drive the stake and say this is where the good way is. It starts today. It starts here. And I'm surrendering to a life guided by Christ. So where's your ancient path? Where is the good way? Is today the day you're going to start? Go to the Lord in prayer for her. Father, your word is truth. And your word is living. Your word's powerful and life changing. Forgive us, Father, if we find no pleasure in it. Forgive us if your words become an offense to us. And Father, I pray this morning that those at a crossroads will ask for the ancient path. Or will ask where the good way is. Can we start a journey with you today? We pray, Holy Spirit, you'll come in tenderness. You'll come in mercy. You'll come in conviction.
Pray, Master, that you'll move among us this morning. You'll touch hearts. And draw out of the pew, Father, those who need to make a public profession of faith. Public surrender, Father, for membership. Or just a public celebration because they're yours. We celebrate because we can meet with you. And we celebrate because we're part of the body. This morning, Holy Spirit, I pray you'll hover. And you'll touch and you'll draw us. We pray in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.